Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Welcome, welcome. Inclusive Education Project Podcast. In case you don't know where you are, because I don't even know what day it is. Another day in the pandemic life. And sometimes I mostly listen to podcasts when I'm on walks, taking the baby and the dog for a walk. And sometimes like if an episode of whatever I'm listening to, because I never can listen to it all in one straight shot. I do like a little bit of it. Sometimes that ends and then just whatever's in my library starts. So sometimes I don't know what I'm listening to until (laughs) I get a greeting. So you're like, what is this? That's really funny. Well, that's good. Walks are good outside. That is something that they tell us to do just to get some sun and I know not everybody, you know, it's yeah. not, you know, 70 and sunny. It's actually been hot in California. So sorry, it, not it sorry. It actually has. And I won't make people jealous by telling you what it normally is, but it's been like 10 degrees hotter than normal this time of year. So we're having to really push our walks earlier in the morning, later in the day yeah, than in the middle of the day because it's just too dang hot. I know. We're making so many people jealous right now. We have to do things to keep our sanity in check. This school year is unlike any that we've seen. It's interesting because I've had some encounters with opposing councils where I'm just like, I'm, they're like, oh, how are you? And I'm like, I'm hanging in there. And they're like, right? Like, blah, blah, blah. And it's very, very few and far between that we're able to see eye to eye on things. So (laughs) it's been a trip to say the least. But you know, I think I've said this before, nobody's happy, you know, especially in California, you know, there was this independent study model for, you know, the parents that didn't feel comfortable sending their kids. 99% of our clients cannot survive on an independent study model unless it was modified in some way. We are just seeing, you know, in these 30-day IEP meetings that we're having, I just, I don't know if people have given up. I don't know if it's just they don't know what to do, but it is nuts. No, I think we just had a situation where everyone was optimistic middle of the summer and we find ourselves in a situation that we didn't expect and we're just having like Groundhog Day of last school year, but but almost worse in a way because now it's been a long time. Absolutely. And I think that we are very lucky with today's guest. Jessica, I'm going to have you introduce yourself really quickly. But one of the reasons that we are excited to have her on is because of her background as a teacher and as an advocate. So Jessica, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hey, everyone. I'm Jessica Keogh. And thanks, Amanda and Vicki. So I am a First, a person with a physical disability, I have an undiagnosed type of neuromuscular disorder that I've had since birth. Additionally, I'm a special education teacher, emotional support, and have been for the past 10 years. And lastly, I run a nonprofit called Faith Above My Ability, which strives to educate and advocate for people with disabilities changing the narrative about disability, advocating for policy changes, and developing curriculum that is truly, truly inclusive and not just 
you know, what other people think is inclusive. So that's a little bit about me and I'm excited to be here. So tell us how this school year has been going because we were just kind of touching on that from like (laughs) our experience but what about what you've been seeing okay so i'm keeping it positive but being transparent it has been a challenge because we are finding that we don't have a lot of paraprofessionals in our area or you know surrounding areas so that's a little bit of a challenge as we start the school year on you know, just in a couple of days here because our students need paraprofessionals for a variety of reasons to accompany them to class, to help with social settings, right? you know, help regulate behaviors and things like that. So I think it's going to be an interesting start and I'm keeping it positive. And I know like I work with a great group of teachers who will do whatever we have to do, but just having those paraprofessionals is so vital in the success of our students and then the success of other students because we need to have people, students with disabilities out and in classrooms. So that way we can really have an inclusive environment, create more kindness and empathy. So we're working on it. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I mean, it's such an integral part to inclusion. Having that support, teachers can't do it all by themselves. And You know, the short staffing makes it tough, but, you know, hopefully we start to see an increase in people, you know, wanting to go back to the workforce. I know it's been tough. So hopefully, yeah, if if we are being hopeful that we start seeing that because we're seeing that in California as well. Yeah, I think it's definitely like a nationwide kind of thing here. How has your administration been reacting to the lack of like paraprofessional support. Are you guys still trying to figure that out? You know, is there kind of mass hiring going on? What What are your thoughts about that? Mass hiring is definitely going on. And my administration in my building is all um, decently new within the last year. And that's what I'm excited about is this year is like, they're all very cohesive, supportive, positive, and they're, you know, open to our suggestions. So I met with like the intensive autistic support classroom to kind of like map out who we can put where and pull and whatever. And they're completely open to that, you know, and they recognize that it's, it's just a bandaid and this can't be our forever solution, but that's what we're starting with on, on Monday when we start the school year. Wow. So does your district have an alternative to in-person if, you know, say the the students either it's not safe for them to go back to school because they're immune compromised or they have a family member. What's kind of the plan? So our district is very large and we, prior to COVID, it was in the works to create a cyber academy as part of our district. And that was prior to COVID that we started planning that and we implemented it, you know, right in August of 2020. So with that said, we do have a cyber program that students can register for. But other than that, it's it's in person. And one of the things that is just like mind boggling to me is how are we not seeing like the different kind of versions of how the school year can go. And I feel like we had this last year too. It was just like, okay, the state here in California is telling you to get ready for in-person. This is last year. 
And then uh -huh. the district spent all this time like creating that. And then it was like they were in distance learning again. And I think that was a little different because it was just like, ah, we're going to be in distance learning for a minute. But with the variance and things like that, I just it's frustrating to me that like we don't have a plan B, like at the very least, like we don't have a plan C. But I do want to shift gears because Jessica, one of the other aspects that we were really excited about having you on is your advocacy and legislation that you were actually able to pass in your state for workers with yeah. disabilities. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I might go on a little tangent here. You might just have to rein me in. But I did, you know, disclose at the beginning of our podcast here, I am a person with a disability. And with that, I require assistance with my activities of daily living. So, you know, showering, getting dressed, putting my shoes on, whatever. So that way I can go to work. And I can't pay for all of it on my own because I'm a teacher and I don't make that much money. And it is definitely not covered by insurance. So I really started this advocacy journey probably when I was 22 and I was six months into teaching and I got a nice little letter from the human resources, like Chester County Assistance Office, um, saying that I am no longer, quote, disabled based on my income because I'm working. And I was like, holy crap, like, how am I going to afford to get this person to come every morning at 5 a.m. to help me get ready for work, you know? So there started like the long battle and I realized I was not alone. And I think that's why a lot of people with disabilities don't work is because they're afraid to lose that support that we need to literally get out of bed in the morning. So fast forward to about a year ago, you know, a lot happened in between, a lot of conversations, a lot of meetings I facilitated. There was a group of us that we really got together. We had a lot of meetings and planning, and we were really hopeful that it was Senate Bill 156, um, Medical Assistance for Workers with Disabilities with Job Success, that we would get that passed and it would create a new category, which increased the income limits and also abolished the asset limits, which was previously $10,000 in the entire lifetime. Oh, wow. So we were like, okay, we need to get this passed. One of my friends that I met along this journey, Caitlin Kerr, she and I were like, we have to get this passed before recess. <laughs> so we, because I was going to have to have a tough conversation with my human resources and say like, if you know, this doesn't get passed, I'm going to have to step back. Wow. And that like wow. completely would break me. I love my job, yeah. everything that I do. So we went to Harrisburg and we stayed there for the entire day on June 23rd, um, just with signs and talking to people, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it, we passed out information. We had conversations, got news coverage, and we were feeling hopeful. And then staying in touch with other people that were advocating with us and, you know, lobbyists and such. And I was like, you know what, it, like it needs to get passed. So I went up again with a different friend, June 25th, had similar conversations, more handouts, like, hey, look, I'm showing up for the second time this week. Like, this is really important. We we're feeling great about it. And we went out to lunch. 
were about to leave, got a text from one of our fellow advocates saying that they want to wait until the fall to pass this through. And I was like, oh, no, hurry up, turn around, we're going back in there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went up to the house floor area where you can, like, look down and see. And I was like, all right, come on, someone bring it to committee. The committee meeting was meeting in like four minutes. We rushed down the elevators, went to the committee meeting. They passed it, you know, a hundred percent. And I like happy cried. My friend happy (laughs) cried, like, because it was just such a journey. And then the next step was just for it to go to the house floor for a third consideration and final vote. So at, you know, 501 or, you know, whatever time it, Passed 201 to zero. Wow. Wow. Our Governor Wolf signed it into legislation, into law, um, July 1st, and it'll go into effect December 28th, 2021. And it's just like a really good plan for Pennsylvania. Absolutely. And like like, people don't understand it, like really happens like that. Like you're rushing around, you're like doing that. And I think it's really hard and you could see to the you know, it was like whatever to zero, right? Like your presence, it like puts pressure on them. And I don't think that people realize that because so much in our political structure feels so much out of our control, but it really is not. Like you are a testament to that, especially on the local level. What advice do you have for people that are just trying to get started with, you know, wanting to make a change? Like you started like very small, right? What advice do you have for people? I mean, so it was completely an emotional, like, whirlwind. I do just want to say that. But really starting with your story, like, what, whether you write it down or you record yourself and just really reflect on that and then start getting in community. I mean, I've been in social media groups for people with, you know, undiagnosed disabilities for decades and just, like, finding people who are ready to go with you. Start talking to your local like state legislators like go introduce yourself that rapport is so so important and i started that i don't know six years ago with my state rep at the time and she's now a state senator and she and i are just really close she was a former special ed teacher so she completely gets it you got to find like what makes them tick and know their background and like angle it that way or not being afraid to start small i think that's where a lot of people get intimidated with getting involved in legislation and politics is that, you know, it seems so grand scale. It seems like it's so big, but, you know, if we start with our small local politics and start, you know, kind of like a tumbleweed of, of people and you start growing it and growing it, you know, you never know how there's so many people who can relate to you, whether they relate to you personally or they have a family member or a friend that can relate. That's all you need. That I think that that personal story really makes connection and can go from there if you just, you know, take that first step. Yeah. And I think like for me, you know, this hardcore advocacy journey really started 10 years ago and I felt like I wasn't making any progress at all. But like looking back, like the little things that I did with the support of others, like really built up to this moment. So like it may, like while you're in it, in the grind day to day, it feels like you're not making progress, but to 
look back, like every step that I took and every step that other people took with me, like really made that difference. And I would recommend journaling about it. I really do. So that way you can look back and look back to X number of years ago and be like, oh my gosh, I felt like I wasn't making a difference. And now look, it's passed. Everything's great. Well, I shouldn't say everything's great. We still have a lot of work to do. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but I hope you celebrate and you relish this, you know, achievement that you were able, and I think journaling is a fantastic idea because, you know, all the emotions that you're having now are like written out for your future self to be like, oh, Jessica, like it all worked out, you know, like, do you have anything planned when it like officially goes into law? You should do something if you haven't already done something. Yeah. So we, with my state senator, we're planning some kind of like celebration dinner with my nonprofit. We're doing some kind of community event, just like really, like we worked really hard for this and so did other people. So we want to get it out there. And then I think from that day, like, I know I'm definitely going to get together with Caitlin and we're, I don't know, we're going to celebrate, like go out and just have dinner and a drink and just have a good time. And, you know, so yeah, we're just thrilled. It's important to celebrate. And during the, throughout this process, I mean, obviously we were in, we've been in this pandemic, so things have been different, but have you been able to share your experience and everything you've been going through with your students and with others at your school? Yeah. So my district and like my school, like I used to kind of keep my like physical disability on the down low, which I know sounds silly as I'm like going around on a wheelchair here, but just like sharing my story with my colleagues and they're like, what? You can't save more than $10,000? Like that's insane. You don't have a 401B or 401k. And I was like, nope, can't have one. So, you know, sharing these bits and pieces about myself and like I was able to text them and be like, hey, here's a sample letter that you can send to all of these committee members. And I know like when my students come back, we so much what I do with them is advocating and teaching them to be an advocate. And I am 100% going to share this story with them. And, you know, that way, hopefully it empowers them to advocate for themselves and things that they find meaningful and need change so sorry jessica i was like looking at your faith above my ability i know that you had touched on it a little bit more i was kind of reading through (laughs) just so that i could you know ask like you know what you had kind of touched upon why you wanted the nonprofit. is that the best place that people can reach you is that where they should start like how can people kind of connect with you Yeah, so our website is faithabovemyability.org. We have our phone number on there. We have an email address. Yeah, I love the page. It's like, I love the colors. It's like easy to get around. There's like professional development, community groups, events, obviously a donate. And it's just, it's beautiful. I love, I love a good planned out (laughs) website. But yeah, like we... You know, you can see our phone number, follow Mm -hmm. us on multiple social medias, Instagram, Twitter. We started a YouTube channel, so that's new. But we just really want to connect with people and connect with different organizations and people who are doing similar things and people who need to be doing similar things. So that way we can truly make just the world more inclusive and understanding. Absolutely. Well, I hope that 
other organizations or other, you know, people who are looking to make waves and change legislation in their state connect with you? Because I know, you know, that's been such a great way for us to connect with other organizations and families. And, you know, it really is such a good tool to not have to reinvent the wheel, right? Like you went through this process and I'm sure you had to figure out a lot of it on your own. And if you can are able to share your experience and tips and tricks to others, you know, maybe we can be getting faster legislation in other places and hopefully federal legislation sooner than later. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I like my biggest why has always been, you know, like, I may never benefit from some of these changes, but I want my students to because I don't want them to have to navigate this ridiculous red tape bureaucratic system that we are in. I was like, so if I don't benefit from it, it's fine. Like as long as my students do. And that selflessness and strength is few and far between. So we're just so thrilled to have you on to talk about your experiences and to just give our listeners another point of view that you can make changes <laughs> just because yeah. things are the way that they are. And, you know, we get that a lot. Well, this is how we've always done things. Well, we don't always need to do them that way. I mean, you're a true testament of that. So thank you so much for coming on to our podcast, Jessica. You guys, thank please you. check out her website, faithabovemyability.org. There's a lot of great information on there and they have a great board of people that keep it going. And it, please feel free to reach out to Jessica if you have any additional questions and we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Mm, Bye. Bye everyone. Thank you.